transition our hearts into the word of the Lord for today. So, um, yeah, let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, we just thank you. Heavenly Father, we magnify you and appreciate you. God, I'm asking that you would cause a revelation knowledge to flow freely, unhindered, unchecked, and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic forces, God. I'm praying that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, God, that you would illuminate the ears of the listeners, and God, that you would touch the spirit of the listeners. The scripture says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church. So God, allow us to be eternally touched and blessed. Don't let anyone's coming be in vain. And for that, we thank you and praise you. God, I'm just praying that you would move up and down every aisle, in and out, every row, that you would touch every home, every listener, every person listening in the car, in the parking lot, at home, wherever they are, God, allow this word to permeate their spirit and their being. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, with your Bibles in your hands, would you repeat after me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me this word. Now, come on, put your hands together this morning. We're going to start off with them just putting a slide, because the slide that they're going to put up is the actual title. So I'm going to have them just go ahead and play that. And the t- slide, it simply says Pentecost. Pentecost. And then underneath it, it says Holy Spirit come. Somebody say with me, say, Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit come. come. One more time. Holy Spirit come. So today actually marks the moment in time that we actually call Pentecost. So this is not just something I'm talking about all across the globe. There are many people celebrating what you would call Pentecost Sunday. In many traditions, you wear white for Pentecost. And I, I got ready to wear my white suit, and I, I pulled it out. And I was like, ah, I'm not feeling I'm not feeling that. And I felt army fatigues instead because I was reminded of what my wife preached several weeks ago, that there's a war going on. And as I begin to explain it, you understand, so I'm taking my time just a little bit. But Pentecost, when we're asking the Holy Spirit to come, we're asking for reinforcements to show up in our fight. You, you see, when, when people are in a fight and the fight is just about even and reinforcements show up, And the reinforcements come and they benefit one side more than the other. That determines who's going to win the fight. And so, yes, we are in a war. And yes, we got things we have to deal with. We all have things that we have to deal with. I don't care how saved and how Christian you are. You got stuff you've got to go through. And many of us 
have done the best we can with what we know. We've done the best we know how the devil's tried to take us out. We shouldn't be here. Yes, we've made some mistakes, but somehow we're here, but we're getting wore out. But I'm here to let you know reinforcements are on the way. Not just on the way, but reinforcements are here. And when the reinforcements show up, what you thought you couldn't do, now you can do because of the reinforcements. Let's just back up real quick and let's just talk about it in terms of what's happening right now. And I know sometimes as Americans, we get a little frustrated with it because maybe we have bad roads. But when Ukraine was in trouble, they begin to, Congress begin to make laws and say, let's send billions of dollars to them so they can get the weapons that they need to fight off the Russians. A lot of the Americans are like, well, shoot, I wish y'all would do something for us instead of always helping somebody else. But it's a mindset that if you are a dominant power, you can't let the smaller person go under because it's not just what we would call a benefactor move. America is not just helping Ukraine just because they want to help Ukraine. But if Russia dominates Ukraine, that means Russia can become stronger against us. So if I help them, I'm helping them ultimately to help me. And this is what I need you to understand. The reason why the Holy Spirit is going to bail you out is because the Holy Spirit needs you on his team. Because Jesus died for you not to lose you. He died for you so that he can do a work in your life. And if you die in the battle, it does the gospel no good. So we need you to win. So the Holy Spirit is coming not because you so good, not because you so holy, not because so, you so perfect. But the Holy Spirit is coming to help you because it makes him look good because we don't want him to die for nothing. All right, so with that understanding, the Holy Spirit is going to come. So Pentecost is simply the title of the message. Somebody say Pentecost. Pentecost. Let me give us some background information, and then we'll begin to move into the scripture. So let's start with this background information, and this will help us get our minds right where it is. So Pentecost and the Jewish Feast of Weeks are the same festivity, the same festival. This festivity is also known as Harvest. Shavuot, which is uh, what Judaism still uh, honors today, and the day of first fruits. Let me make it really simple and clear. It was a celebration of harvest time. So Pentecost didn't happen in the New Testament. It was something that happened before, but it was known as the Feast of Weeks or the Festival of Weeks, or it was something that happened at harvest time. I want to say that again, at harvest time. Let's Read some more. This festivity is held as a means of thanksgiving for the bountiful harvest season. It's held as a means of thanksgiving for the bountiful harvest season. Here's something you need to understand that the harvest had just started and they were required to have a festival at the beginning of the harvest. For a bountiful harvest, whether or not the bountiful harvest came or not. In other words, they were told to celebrate a good harvest, whether or not a good harvest had showed up. 
How would they know the harvest had just began? But here's the thing. God was teaching them faith. Here's the thing you have to understand. When you step into a season of harvest, it doesn't always look like harvest. When you step in a season of reinforcements, it doesn't always look like reinforcements. It doesn't always feel like reinforcements. So what God says, what I want you to do, and I've told you before, I want you to praise me on credit. I want you to praise me ahead of time because how you go in determines how you come out. And what we've been trained as people, we've been trained in a reward society. In other words, when you were born, you were trained in rewards. So if you do this, you get a reward. If you do that, you don't get a reward. In other words, if you want your Christmas list to be high, you got to do what's right so Santa can give you a high Christmas list. But God doesn't quite work like that. He works on faith. Before there is even a formula of a gift, before anything ever comes, before harvest ever shows up, before anything turns around, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to celebrate me as if it's already happened. Now, this is good to talk about in church, but in our regular life, it's hard to celebrate things that haven't happened. But that's why you've got to get an image in your mind of what is possible and praise God for what is possible because the possibility can come if you would step into the harvest and say, I'm getting ready to thank you for blowing my mind. Now, now th- th- this, 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 it's not that hard to do. You can do this, but it becomes much harder when the previous seasons have been very tough. When you have had disappointment after disappointment and neglect after neglect and issue after issue and loss after loss. When you step into a new season that everything that the devil tells you is it's going to be like the last season. And guess what? It could be like the last season. But what I'm trying to tell you to do is step into the new season with the faith it just might turn around. One thing I know about people who succeed and prosper, they never look at what they're looking at and allow that to deter what they feel in their spirit. I don't know. I feel like picking on you, Brother Jamal. I'm going to pick on you just a little bit. Shooters shoot. I don't care if I'm old for 22 If I get the ball, a real shooter is going to shoot because they believe the next one's going in. Now, now people who don't have confidence and they're scared, they'll pass the ball up. They'll get, they'll get gunshot. But a real shooter believes, I done put the work in. I done put the practice in. It may not have fallen in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter. But give me the ball in the, at the end, I'll make a shot because their confidence is not in what has been. Their confidence is what could be. And that's why I'm trying to teach you, don't worry about what it has been. I want you to believe what it could be. It could turn around. It could blow my socks off. This could be my best week ever. This could be my best day ever. This could be my best year ever. So what God says, praise me for the harvest before the harvest ever shows up. All right, now, y'all. Y'all know where we're going. Let's, let, let me keep moving. So let's put this up. It also signifies the coming of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the Christian church. Pentecost is a joyful festivity which is celebrated 
50 days after Passover. So that's where we get the Penta, which means five or 50. All right, the next one, Pentecost was a Jewish festival 50 days after Passover involving a free will offering in proportion to the blessing that you have received from the Lord your God. And so they were required to show up in this festival with an offering. It's also called first fruits. And so what they're saying is, yes, I may have struggled in the last season, but I'm going to grab something of the last season and I'm going to offer it to God because I'm believing that the next season is going to shift. So not only did I wear army fatigues, but my shirt says God first. I don't care what I've been through in the past. I'm saying I'm putting in my mind, God, you come first. And some of y'all, I, I celebrate y'all because you go through hell all week. But somehow on the first day of the week, you still say, I'm coming to church. I'm giving God some of my time. I know the devil's been on my back. But God first. Because... I still believe that he holds the future in his hand. I, I still believe the power of Pentecost. I still believe in the miracle working power. I still believe if anybody can do it, you can do it, God. God, if anybody can do it. And one thing I've learned, Deliverance Simple, is when my back has been against the wall, that's when God has showed me how powerful he is. How would you know he was a healer if you never got sick? How would you know he was a miracle worker if you never meet him, needed a miracle? How would you know he was a mind regulator if your mind never got messed up? How would you know he could comfort you if you never got sad? I need you to understand what you've gone through. All it has done is proven to you the God that you serve. Yeah. All right, let's, let's move on. The feast included you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female slaves, the Levite residents in your town, meaning the priests, as well as the strangers. It included everybody, including the immigrant. Let's, let's continue to read. The orphans and the widows who are among you and was based on remembrance that you were a slave in Egypt. Before I get to the scriptures, let me explain that. So what God was telling them is what you're going to do is you're going to thank me for what I've already done. And not only that, it's going to include everybody around you. In other words, what it means is you are going to make the difference for your sons, your daughters, your servants, the people around you. So this is what I need you to understand. The reason why it's so hard for you is because of all the people that are connected to you. Because if you fail, you don't understand how many people you are carrying. The reason why your back hurts so much, it ain't just because your back hurt. It's all the people you're carrying. All the people that are depending on you. If you fail, you don't know how many people will fail if you fail. And sometimes the devil tries to make you make a decision. Well, don't nobody care about me and, 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 and I'm useless. I'm worthless. You don't understand how many people are hanging on you. And so what we, God wants you to understand is if you break through, it'll pull a whole bunch of other people through. And that's what the devil knows is that if you arrive, people are going to follow you because I got to attack you. Because if I get you to fall, I can influence everybody else to fall. There are some people that if they fall, it doesn't make a ripple in the universe. 
There are other people, if they fall, it affects everybody. Oh, I didn't think they would fall. I didn't think they would get a divorce. I didn't, I didn't think they would commit suicide. I didn't think they would get addicted. And what I need you to understand, you got to press through because you're not pressing through just for you. You're pressing through for everybody that is connected to you. And so what God says, I want you to praise me, not just for you, but through you, I'm going to bless somebody else. And so get your gumption up, get your muster up, Get ready to fight because you mean something in the universe. You may be a drop in the bucket in your mind, but you're not a drop in the bucket in God's mind. God's got a plan for your life that's going to change your family, that's going to change your community, that's going to change your city. That's gonna, it's going to wreck something if you make it. That's why it's so hard. So a lot of times people think it's hard for me because... I'm no good and God don't like me. No, 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 that's not the case. I say this all the time and I'll say it one more time. I've never seen anybody use a bazooka to kill an ant. If you ever seen somebody use a bazooka to kill an ant, you let me know. But I ain't never seen that. Because the size of the weapon shows you how much respect you have for the enemy. When I go to kill an ant, I've killed an ant with my finger. I've had my, my, my little daughter or somebody say, it's an ant, it's an ant running. I'll just stick my finger over there and kill it. It ain't, that, it ain't that big of a deal because it's too small. So if the devil is tripping you up with small stuff, you small. But if the devil throws everything he got at you, that means he must believe you're not that small. He's got to bring all his itinerary to come at you because he knows more than you know you are something. You mean something. When you step in the room, maybe nobody turns their head, but the devils turn their head because you showed up. You stepped in the atmosphere. You mean something. I don't want you to devalue yourself another day, another moment. You mean something in the kingdom of God to the kingdom of darkness. You mean something. Yes, you do. And that includes you young people as well. That's why you cannot allow peer pressure to make you do what everybody else does. Everybody else can get away with it and not get caught. But you'll get caught because you mean something. You're a leader. You're not a follower. You're the top. You're not the bottom. You're a king. You're not a pauper. You are somebody. And that's why the attack is so hard. So God kept trying to teach his his Israelites this and so they, they were they were required to come every year. All the males were required to come. The three feasts, this is the second feast they were supposed to come to. They're supposed to come to Passover, uh, Pentecost, and then another one called the Feast of Booths. All right, now let's move forward with that understanding. Let's go to Acts 2 and 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. The day of Pentecost. Now now with if you know previously after Jesus died, before he ascended, he told his disciples, he said, I want you to wait for me. I want you to wait. And so they waited for 10 days because he stayed on the earth 40 days. And this happened on the 50th day. So for 10 days, they would go into the temple and they would pray. It was 120 of them. If you look in, I believe, Corinthians, it says it was the, the call was given out to 500, but only 120 of them answered the call. So that means 380 of them decided not to do what Jesus told them to do. This is what you need to understand. If the crowd is doing it, it might be what's wrong. Because the majority never sees what it takes to be great. 
They, they, they never want to do what it takes to be great. Those, those you, you, you young people, listen. If you're getting asked, you're doing what the crowd is doing. If you're goofing off, you're doing what the crowd is doing. It takes being something different to do with something else because greatness is never born without sacrifice and without cost. We're talking about Pentecost. It's going to cost you something to be great in this day and age. But here's what I need you to understand. Leaders have to be great because you cannot follow everybody and be great. Now, let, let me throw this out there. This is just a, a wild example. But even on social media, why, why is it that you follow 25,000 people and only two people follow you? You need to stop following all those people. Let, make, do something where people follow you. Make a difference. Stand up, rise up, be different. All right, so let's, let, let's give us a few points as we move forward. Number one, here's a few things I see in there. I'm going to give you like three things I see in each verse. And I will, may not talk about all of them because I, I, I want to get through to the end. So, number one, I see unity, I see community, and I see a common goal. They were all there in one place. They were on one accord. They were doing what God told them to do. And so there's unity, there's community, and there's a common goal. Here's something I need you to understand. Many times people are divided until you have a common enemy. A common enemy will make people who weren't friends Become friends because you have a common enemy. And this is what the church is beginning to understand. The devil is not our friend. And I don't care what denomination you have. I don't care what you believe. The devil is trying to fight all of us and stop all of us and block all of us from being to our highest level. So I don't have time to worry about how you voted. Now, now with certain people who voted a certain way, I may not appreciate it. I may not like it, but I'm not going to allow it to stop relationship because community is bigger than Republican and Democrat. Community is bigger than black or white, and if we can ever get that into our head in America, we can have school shootings and we still have the politicians fussing and fighting, and nobody does anything but offer thoughts and prayers. The world is tired of our thoughts and prayers because nobody's doing any action. But when communities begin to come together, and this is what's so interesting about our city, as small as Muncie is, we are so divided. It doesn't make sense for us to be so divided. If you live in Chicago, I can understand you being so divided. But in little old Muncie, we are divided, but God is trying to break us out of that so we come together for a common goal and for common good. All right, let's, let's move on. Let's go to Acts 2.2. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind right. came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Yeah, so, so let's go to number two. Suddenly, sound and surroundings. Now, when I was studying this, you don't see suddenlies that often in the Bible in positive ways. But here's the thing. When they were together in the same unit on one accord, suddenly begin to happen. Some stuff, we don't have time to wait for 2035 for things to get done. We need some stuff to happen right now. But it's not going to happen right now until we come together. But if we come together, some suddenlies will begin to happen, but also we'll begin to hear a sound that affects our surroundings. 
And the sound is not an outward sound, it's an inward sound. There, have you ever talked to somebody and they're feeling and saying the same thing that you're talking about and you never told them because what you're feeling is inside, it's not outside. And I'm talking to people who feel greatness on the inside and that's why you can't do what everybody else does because you feel what I feel. You you feel that this is your day to break through. You feel this is your, your moment to turn around. You, you feel this could happen. I, I know it didn't happen for your mama. It didn't happen for your daddy. And you might be the only one in your family, but it's something that you feel on the inside. There's a sound that you hear. And when you are like that, you begin to gravitate to people who are like-minded. I love everybody, but I can't spend a lot of time with negative folk. I'm too positive to allow negative folk to infect me. I'm working on something. I can't afford to be around you. Negative people make me itch. Just like a mosquito. They just bother me. They bug me. I've come too far to allow negative to drive me. Do you understand? As a black man, I should have been dead or in prison at 21, but I'm here at 45, pastoring the church. Don't tell me what God cannot do. Negative folk, I need you out of my life. I, I love you, but I can't spend a lot of time with you because you, 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 you're messing up what I have on the inside. I don't care how pure and pretty this water is. If you put some potting soil inside the water instantly, it's no longer drinkable and good because no matter how pure it is, just a little drop can mess it up. Sister Ruth, just one drop of cyanide can mess up the whole bottle. And I need you to understand that boyfriend, the reason why God ran him out of your life, because he was going to bring you down over time. So some of y'all need to thank God for the people who walked out of your life because they were getting ready to drag you down. It's time to move to where God has for you. All right, let's, let's keep going. Let's look at verse 3. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They saw these tongues of fire. Let's put up point number three. Separated or split fire and rest. I'm going to add all these together and there's so many things that I could talk about, but I'm, I'm just going to give us just a few things to help us understand how powerful God is. So as they were sitting in this room and as they had been praying, all of a sudden they hear this sound and this suddenly and it began to shake the room and begin to move and actually things happen. Like I said, God is an invisible God, but sometimes he does things that affect us in a real and a supernatural way. So that's what they were going through. But all of a sudden these tongues came And these tongues, they looked like fire and they were, it says they were split or they separated. There's two uh, theories of thought. Number one is that as it came, it came down as like a ball of fire, but then it began to split and rest on each one's head. But there's another thought is that the, what they call cloven tongue, it was a split tongue. What's interesting about a split tongue, most all of us don't have split tongues. But you can have a split tongue and still talk, but, and there are people who, in self-mutilation, they do that. But the only thing that I'm reminded of when I think of a split tongue, I'm reminded of a snake. You know how a snake has that forked tongue, that slithery tongue? So don't you remember that the reason why things got messed up is that in the garden there was a serpent that slithered and had his tongue to kind of 
convince us and to um, lead us to do wrong things. But here we see tongues of fire resting on us. And this is what, what you've got to understand. I, I, I could go in a whole bunch of ways, but let me just make it real quick. Fire, not only does it burn things, it purifies things. And so what Satan uses to trap us up, which is our tongue, it's the same thing that the Holy Spirit puts fire on to change us because God says the same thing you try to use to take my children out, I'm going to use to make my children get better. So when I talk about negativity and not having negativity around you, here's the thing you got to understand. The biggest tongue that is negative many times is your own tongue. See, see, Brother Allen can talk about me, but if I talk about me, it messes me up. And so what I need, I need the spirit of God to rest on me and rest on my tongue and sit on me so that I don't speak what I don't need to speak. So in a dark time, I still speak light. In a, in a time when I'm backing up, I still say I'm moving forward. In a time when things are cloudy, I still say the rainbow is coming. So this is what you have to understand. When you come and you begin to hear the word of God, the word of God gets on your tongue and the word of God gets in your mouth and you don't have to know all the scriptures you know just enough to tell the devil you a liar and you are defeated I am what God says I am I won't be addicted all my life I won't be broke all my life I won't be sick all my life I won't be confused all my life I'm coming up out of this and somebody says your family members say well when you gonna do it you've been saying this forever listen I don't care how long I've been saying it this is the day the Lord has made this might be my moment this might be my hour and I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit has arrested our tongues to cause us to speak what is right have you ever got ready to say something and you just couldn't? God made you say something different. There are times you were getting ready to say something that was true. Let, let me, let me uh, change that. It was not true. It was a fact. But it was a fact, but it wasn't the truth. So here's the truth. The truth is you are healed. The fact is you have COVID. And the truth is you are healed. And so what the devil wants you to do is speak the facts. The facts are you have COVID. But what the devil wants you to do is focus on the facts and not focus on the ultimate truth. The ultimate truth is I am healed. Let me go back to the sports analogy since we're in the, uh, the, the NBA finals. See, if you're down, you're down. If you're down by 20, you're down by 20. But good teams and good coaches don't focus on the fact that you're down by 20. They focus on the fact we got some more time. We got to get this one moment at a time, one defensive stop at a time. I need you to buckle down. I need you to get a few stops. We're going to make it. We're going to catch it up. And guess what? It, the, the Boston Celtics were down at home to the Warriors, and it looked like they was going to lose. But in the fourth quarter, they caught fire, and they turned the thing around. Now, I'm here to let you know, Deliverance Temple, it looks like you're down. It looks like you're losing. The clock is ticking, but something's stirring up in you. You got a Michael Jordan spirit. Down on the inside, I hear somebody say, put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. I, we about to make a turnaround. But you got to speak it. You got to speak it so you can believe it. One other thing that, that, that I got to say to show us how beautiful and powerful this was. In Genesis chapter 11, the people were, the Bible says the people were one. And here in Acts 2, we see that the people were one again. But the first time the people were one, they were doing the wrong thing. They said, let us build a tower 
to God and let us go up to God. And the Bible says, God says, we've got to go down and we have to do what? Confuse the language. Because if we don't stop them, they'll do something. And, and people think, well, God didn't want them to come up to him. That wasn't the point. The point was they were still unregenerated men. Christ had not come. So if they had built a tower to God, God would have consumed them. God would have killed them. So he said, I can't allow them to come up because I'm too holy and they're too unrighteous. And so what I need to do, I need to confuse the language. And so that's when the languages got confused. You'll see it in Genesis 11. It's called the Tower of Babel. But over in Acts chapter 2, God turned the thing around because in between that time, Jesus had came on the cross cross and now you can come to God without being destroyed you can come to God without being messed up and now it's a total difference so that's what the tongues of fire represented let's move to verse 4 all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them all right number four spirit speaking and harps. I already really covered the spirit and the speaking. And remember, this was a festival of harvest. So God moved on the festival of harvest because here's the truth that you need to understand. Pay attention in the back for me. Here's the truth you need to understand that the harvest is not the outside thing. The harvest is you. You are the harvest because if God touches you, everything you touch is going to be touched because he touches you. And this is what you got to understand. You may not ever drive a Rolls Royce, but you got a Rolls Royce anointing inside of you. So even though if you're in a Pinto, you can still act like you're in a Rolls Royce because the car don't make you, you make the car. The clothes don't make you, you make the clothes. The food don't make you, you make the food. See, when you have the right thing and you understand that I am the harvest and when God has rested on me, I don't care whatever state I in, I will be okay. This isn't in the notes, but let me just throw it in there. Paul says this, and uh, we quote it all the time. We say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. But here's the truth of that statement. That comes at the end. What he said before, he said, I know how to be content in all things. I can be well-fed. I can be hungry. I can be on the top of the mountain. I can be in the valley, but I can do all things through Christ. So here's the thing. I'm not promising you millions of dollars. I'm not promising you a house on the hill. I don't know what God has for you, but I'm promising you wherever you land, wherever you are, with the right spirit inside of you, everything around you is going to be okay because you're there. See, there's some rich people that wish they had your spirit because they don't have the peace that you have. So peace is not about where you are. Peace about, is about who you are. All right, let's continue to read. This is, we're going to read quite a few verses. Let's go to verse 5. Actually, I'm going to read, I'm going I'm to read these and then uh, you, I'll have you pick up later, Mother Metro. So verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. The reason why that was happening is because the, the Jews that were around, they were supposed to make a pilgrimage on three feasts. This was a feast they were supposed to be there, so they were there in the building. It, it would be like a homecoming. That's a, a good way to, to wrap your mind around it. Though on these three feasts, it was a homecoming. No matter where you lived, if you were a Jew and a male, you were supposed to come back. So that's why these people were there. Let's look at verse 6. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Verse 7. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Verse 8. Then how is it 
that each of us hears them in our native language. So they were Jews, but because they lived in other places, they spoke other languages from where they were. Some of them were not even born in Jerusalem. They were been born in other places. But when they came for this festival, they heard people speaking in their language, in the language that they were from. Another example, there's a preacher that was in Russia, and she was uh, going through her normal uh, time. I can't remember how long she was there. But she got into a subway car, and she heard all this noise, which was Russian talk, and she, didn't, she couldn't make anything of it because she was an English-speaking woman. But then she heard, cutting through all the noise, she heard somebody in the back of the car speaking English, and it was somehow it cut through all the other noise because it was something she could understand. And so this is what was happening to them. They began to hear people speaking in languages that was familiar to them in a way that, ex- that kind of expounded them and amazed them. All right, let's look at verse 9. This tells us the different people that were there, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia. Look at verse 10, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors from Rome. I'm just going to throw this in real quick. We talked about it in our Black History Month. So here it says in Egypt and parts of Libya. So that means that this power of God was in Africa long before the white man brought Christianity to Africa. So people act like, oh man, Christianity is a white man's religion. But if you look here, it was in Egypt then. God had to move way beyond that. But we talked about that some some months ago. So I don't have to Uh, go uh, back into that but if you look at this verse you understand it was people from everywhere and that's what God is bringing back he's bringing back the everywhere coming together all right here's look let's look at verse 11 both Jews and converts to Judaism Cretans and Arabs we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues it's not just that they heard people speaking their language it's what they were saying they were speaking the wonders of God. That's called the good news. And this is what I need you to understand. Whenever you come here, I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what I'm facing. I'm always going to speak the wonders of God. I'm always going to speak the good news. I'm always going to speak something positive that would let you know that there's something good coming. Yes, you may be struggling. Yes, you may have gone thing through things, but something's coming. Something's happening. And I'm here to let you know in a way that you understand that God is on your side. Let's put up point number five. Here's point number five. So that brings us to diversity, clarity, and commonality. Here's the thing that's going to mess up the, uh, the, the divide in our country is when we begin to hear people speaking. Everybody's speaking what God is doing. See, see, some folks talking about what Trump is doing. Some people are talking about what the Dow Jones is doing. Some people are talking about this. But when everybody begins to start speaking what God is doing, and I'm not talking about on Sunday morning, but I mean when I bump into you in the grocery store, you're saying, Pastor Andre, God did this for me. And I bump into you in the park, Pastor Andre, God this, did this to me. And I bump into you at Planet Fitness and you say, Pastor Andre, God did this to me. And you know how that's going to be a miracle? Because I don't have to go to Planet Fitness. So if you see me there, it's a miracle anyhow. But what's going to happen, and I know we've been through hell and high water, but what's 
going to happen? There's coming a time where God's going to start blessing all of us. And the only thing we can say is, man, God did it. This wasn't my education. It wasn't my money. It wasn't my church. It wasn't my pastor. God did this thing. God brought me out. God turned me around. God made a way. And when we all get together and we begin to tell the wonderful works of God, guess what? It's going to change the world. The world is going to hell in the handbasket and it's not their fault. It's the fault of the church because we've been telling everything but the good news. The good news is come see all about what God is doing. But preachers want to preach what the devil is doing. And everybody going to hell. And if you're gay, you're going to hell. And if you drink, you're going to hell. Stop telling all that foolishness and tell them that God loves you. God loves you just where you are. God loves you just like you are. God may not leave you like you are, but he accepts you like you are. That's what I want to tell people, that God is a good God. God is an amazing God. God is a great God. God is a miracle-working God. God is a blessing God. God is a delivering God. It's the good news. What's good news to a poor man? You ain't got to be poor all your life. What's good news to a depressed man? You ain't got to be depressed all your life. What's good news to an addicted man? You ain't got to be addicted all your life. The good news. Oh, we got to start preaching it. All right. Pick up with Acts 2 and 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. All right, here's here's point number six. Perplexed, ponder, and poke fun. So the first thing is it perplexed uh, many. It actually perplexed everybody. Some pondered, some poked fun. Here's the thing. I don't want you to waste your time worrying about the people that poke fun at you. Because God's going to do some stuff in your life and people are going to be like, oh, man, you too radical. You, you talking all that, that stuff. In, in, in three more months, you'll be back on dope. In three, don't worry about who poking fun at you because when God does it in your life, the folk who laugh at you, they'll have to come back and say, man, God's doing something in your life. When God called me out of college and I left college and, and I started saying I was going to just start working with my dad in the ministry and I, my mind was messed up. I just wanted to be back around the church. I had got so far and people was like, listen, they, they talked about me. They talked about this bald-headed fellow right here. They talked about me bad. Said I was making a bad decision, but some of the same folk that talked about me, they've asked me to pray for them. When I got married to my wife, some people said she pregnant. That's the only reason why he married her. They talked about us, but 22 years later, while we still together, some of them same folks be saying, happy anniversary. Yeah, I, I try not to get mad, but sometimes the folk that poke fun at you, all you got to do is keep on living. The folk that laugh at you, keep on living. The folk that are lying on you, just keep on living. Don't worry about them. Here's the thing. If they're stabbing you in your back, that means you're ahead of them. If you go back to mess with them, that means you got to turn around and go backwards to mess with them. Don't worry about it. You keep moving forward because soon everybody's going to know God is on your side. All right, come on. Let's, let's get to verse 14 and 15 and 16. Verse, we're going to go to verse 14, 14 first. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. 
Right, and that's go 15 and 16. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter stood up and said, no, no, because they were saying these folks are just drunk. No, no, no. no th- 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 this, you, you can't put nothing in you and get what they get. You, 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 you can't smoke this and get this. You, you, you can't shoot this up. You can't drink this. This joy that I have, this, this didn't come from a lemon drop martini. This, this joy that I have, it didn't come from THC. This, this joy that I have, it, it didn't come from something external. It came from the power of God. And guess what's so interesting? The very person who stood up was the very person who 40 days before this, well, actually 50 days if you add it all together, 50 days before this, he was the same one who was denying Jesus. He was the same one saying, I don't know Jesus. So this is what I need you to understand. It don't take God long to turn you around. He don't need, he don't need no 200 years and 200 days to turn you around. He turned Peter around in 50 days. And Peter stood up and said, no, this ain't what you think. This has been prophesied. So I'm going to go ahead and pick it up and uh, read. Let's put up point number seven. And then I'm going to read those. Point number seven, restoration, revelation, recognition, and repentance. I can't give you all of these. I'm just going to show you what some some of those things are in. And then we're going to land on repentance as we get up and get ready to go. So let's look at Acts 2, 7. I'll read that. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans, which we had mentioned before. Let's go to verse 8. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? We talked about that. Now Peter gets up and responds. So let's drop down to verse 36. This is what he says. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? The reason why they say brothers, because at this time it was only men there. This is what I need you to understand. If we get on our job and do what we're supposed to do, we ain't got to go out there and beat up people and tell them what they got to stop and what they got to quit. They'll come running to us saying, what must I do? You, you got something on you that I need. You got something in your life that I've never had before. And so listen, I don't care how you do it. I don't care how you baptize. I don't care if you're Baptist. I don't care if you're apostolic. I don't care if you're the Pope. It don't make a difference. You got something I don't have. And here's the problem. We as a church have been trying to go out there and tell people, offer people something that they don't even see us walking in but when we begin to walk in it with a power and with a grace and with an anointing guess what it's going to leak out into the lifestyles of other people and they're going to come running saying what must I do because 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 pastor Andre you lost your daddy and I lost my daddy and you're much further ahead when you lost your daddy than I am when I lost my daddy. How'd you do it? And I can tell you, it was God that did it. It wasn't me. It wasn't a book I read. It was God that put my mind together. It was God that held me together. It was God that kept me from losing my mind. It was God that kept me from going crazy. And somebody gonna say, I want that God. I don't want the God that makes you look down and judge everybody like the other churches. I want the God that makes me feel like like he'll turn me around. He'll pick me up. He'll place my feet on solid ground. I once was lost, but now I'm found. That's the God I want. We got to get back to preaching that God. Let's look at verse 38. So then Peter replied, repent and be baptized. 
Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ or the authority of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent simply means this. It simply means make a change in your mind. And what God's saying, this is what's going to happen to these people. Once they shift their mind and they start putting God first, God's going to give them the Holy Spirit. Because we all understand without the Holy Spirit, we won't put God first. But with the Holy Spirit, we can do a lot of things. And what we're going to experience is revival that's going to happen in our city when they see us putting God first. And they're going to do it. Here's a final verse. Verse 39. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So what I'm talking about, it's not just for you. I know you may be the only people sitting in the building right now. And those of you logged on, you may be the only people logged on. But when God touches you, it's going to touch somebody else. It's going to touch your children and your children's children. It's going to touch some folk far off. Do you understand there's some people locked up in a prison cell that think their life is over, but somehow, I don't know how, but they're going to hear your testimony. See, with the internet, all things are possible. They might see you somehow being successful, and it'll turn things around. Guess what? It's not just about you. It's about all the people God can bless through you. One of the most powerful things in this room is super, super small. It's a lot of them around here, but I'm just going to point over there. It's a little outlet. It ain't but that big, but all kinds of power is flowing through that outlet. And if you need to plug into it, it can pull something that you need. I see some of y'all doing it. Y'all come and y'all phones be getting ready to die. Y'all get up and go plug right on in and charge your phone up. I understand it, it, it happens, but guess what? It's, it's really small. You can walk in this big old building and not really know where the power outlets are because they're small. But guess what? Let me tell you something. You may be small and you may be overlooked, but you got power flowing inside of you. And when the right person connects with you, they're going to find out that person got some power. And what Pentecost is, it is power. Power to make you do right. Power to make you live right. Power to make you love your neighbor. Power that'll make you forgive somebody. Power that'll make you get up when you fail. Power. And the power is available. Not just to you who are near, but to the people who are far off. I need to let you know somebody's watching you, so you need this power. Here's the final thing. Put this up. And this is how we're going to close. Well, not actually, but this is what I want to leave us with. As we thank God for the harvest, we realize we are becoming the harvest. God intends to use to produce the harvest he still wants. Let me, let, 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 let me wrap that around real quick as we close. We're thanking God ahead of time for the harvest. But what we're, we're realizing, the harvest is not a car, it's not a house, it's not a degree, it's not a man. All those things may be harvest that God brings to you, but that's not the real harvest. The real harvest is you. Because what happens is when God blesses you, it actually changes you. But what happens is we realize we are becoming the harvest God intends to use to produce the harvest he still wants. Because there's people out there dying every day. And they don't know a God that would change their life. So what God is trying to do, he's trying to bless you, not for you. He's trying to bless you so that he can touch somebody else. So we're thanking God for the harvest so that we can become the harvest. And through us, God can reach the harvest. 
There's a lot of churches, they, they, they don't want nobody there. They think just them is going to heaven. Just we, we the only folk right. I don't want no church that you think you're the only folk right. There's seven of y'all in the building, and y'all the only folk in the whole world going to heaven. I don't, want, I don't want no kind of Christianity like that. I want somebody to open the doors like a hospital and say, everybody's sick, come in. Because I know the healer. I know the deliverer. I know the savior. And how do I know it? Because he, he helped my jacked up, messed up self. And some days I'm not Pastor Andre. Some days I'm still jacked up, messed up Andre. But somehow God still raises me up. He still lifts me up. He still pulls me up. And I want you to know the God that I know. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Uh, Deacon Doug and uh, Deacon Tommy, would you, would you, would you come? Uh, uh, just stand like you normally stand for offering. I'm going to do a, a quick, uh, actually, be, before we go to our closing prayer, would, would you put that, that slide up with the number, the one, two, three, four? For those of you online, I got a call from a preacher I haven't talked to in years. And I was on my way to Bible study. And he said, God told me to tell all the pastors that on Pentecost Sunday, anoint everybody in your church if you can. And there's four things he told me to have you pray for the people. Number one, healing. Number two, deliverance. Number three, miracles. Number four, financial breakthrough. And the man said, I was asking God, who else should I call? And God said, call Andre. I didn't even know he had my number. I don't even know how he got my number. I hadn't talked to him in years. But it resonated with my spirit that before we leave, I need to touch everybody in some way. And I'm going to give you this cloth. And these are the four things I've already prayed over these cloths. That you would have healing, deliverance, miracles, and financial breakthrough. If you need all four, I want you to believe God for all four. If you only need one, I want you to believe God for one. Whatever you need, I've prayed over these cloths. And those of you who are online, we will send these things out. But these are, these are the four things I've already prayed over these things for. And this is what I believe that God is going to move us into. And we're going to see them in the coming days, weeks, and months. And I'm not talking about years. I mean in 2022. Some of y'all are going to have testimonies of healing, deliverance, miracles, and financial breakthrough. All right, let's do our closing prayer. After we do our closing prayer, we're going to allow the online to log off. And then I'm going to allow you guys to line up. And I won't take long, but I'll give you a cloth. And then we will pray. So let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father God, on this Pentecost Sunday, you're trying to give us the hope to believe again that things can be different in our life. But not only can they be different, they will be different because it's not about us. It's about the people that you want to reach through us. So you want to put us on display. God, whenever they put a suit or a dress in on display that they want people to buy, they don't put the worst looking thing up. They put the best thing they can find. So, God, you're going to dress us up, not for us, but that other people can see our lives and come to trust and love you because they will know we couldn't do it, but it was you that did it. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen.